0: Hey folks, welcome into the Six One Five Preps Podcast. Our next to last episode of the season, as the Blue Cross Bowl week is upon us. I'm Chris Brooks, and Scott Burton is via phone this week. Scott, how you doing, man? Uh, I'm making it, Chris. How about you? <laughs> that's you can't go wrong with making it. I mean, it's better to make yeah. it. better to make it than not, and uh, uh, better to make it than fake it. I guess. Yeah, that's true too. The teams that aren't faking it, the six of them are headed to Cookville this week, you know, and they're they're loving life right now as well. And, and we're to the point in the season where it's here. The championship week that we weren't sure was gonna be here is here. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean that's we are we are at the cusp of being able to complete this season. And that's uh you know, when you when you look back at this uh everything that went on uh with teams with COVID tracing, with cancellations things of that nature, um, it's amazing to think that we have gotten this far. Um, I think that uh, it's a testament to those coaches, uh, to those programs, to those students, to the TSSAA, uh, doing whatever they felt necessary to make sure these games get played.
0: Yeah, and no, the playoffs, other than really the first week or so, have gone off – pretty smoothly we were really worried about you know whether more playoff games would be canceled and teams would have to drop out that really hasn't materialized so you know get great give a credit to the teams and, and the administrations to, to help make this happen as cleanly as possible because it's been a wild year but it seems like we're heading toward a semi normal finish if yeah, you can really call it that
1: i mean it, it really took a team effort i mean Everything from uh, you know, from having uh, team meals prepackaged and uh, you know masking up on the buses and you know every bit of that that uh, the kids had to follow to make sure that if they wanted to have a season, they have one. And uh, now we have uh, we have the final slate.
0: Yeah, and, and four games in Cookville involving our area couple of them in Division Two, and then two more in Division One. We will uh, get to those in the next segment. But let's go back to a week ago with the semifinals. And you got to watch. You were actually watching from afar as you were on vacation last week. But uh, you got to watch from afar Summit in Henry County, which turned out to be you know, a, a really good game for the most part. But Summit got through 35-21. Destin Way had a big night. But they got Keaton Wade back, and that had to be a big shot in the arm for the Spartans.
1: It it was huge. Uh, it was really huge on the defensive side of the ball, because he did a really good job of shutting down uh, Jamarcus Johnson, uh, you know, when when they could. And uh, having Keaton Wade back there at that linebacker position just meant, I think, so much to that team. And and you know, on the other side of it, Destin. He just played his heart out. He played extremely well. Um, you know, they get off the, you know, they get the ball on the first play of the game. They, they go six, six, uh, what, uh, 63 yards for a touchdown. It was, uh, it, was a, it, it was a little bit nip and tuck there for a little while. Um, as Henry County, you know, managed to get back in it and, and, and you know, stay with them. But at the end, it was just too much Wade brothers, too much, uh, too much Wade brothers, too much defense. I think, and that was the 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 real uh, that was a real story there.
0: And it puts Summit in the five A championship game for the second straight year. They're going to take on Oak Ridge in that Friday night affair at seven o'clock at Tennessee Tech, and we'll get a little bit more into that game, like I said, in the second segment. But uh, and I was over. It. Oakland for their semifinal in 6A gets Maryville. And let me tell you, I did not expect that kind of freight train to roll through Murfreesboro like Oakland did to Maryville.
1: I don't know that anybody <laughs> expected that. I mean, that was amazing uh, how how well they just shut down the Rebels.
0: And it really it started up front. They just wore down Maryville up front offensively and defensively, to be honest. And, and Oakland's fronts don't get enough credit, I don't think, because a lot of the attention is to their skill players, their quarterback, and their defense. But the lines on both sides were truly dominant in this game. And 49-7, I don't think, was anybody's prediction. And and certainly not mine, certainly not yours. And yeah. Jordan James had another big night. You know, they didn't have Victor Stevens in the third because of a foot injury. Antonio Patterson sure. came in there and just picked up the slack. It was like nothing really had changed. And the Oakland train keeps rolling. They're going back to state for the first time in a couple of years. And, and the pattern in that Maryville-Oakland series continues. The home team has won. And if it wasn't for their backups giving up a long touchdown very late to Maryville, that would have been another shutout as well.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, I think you're exactly right that uh, the offensive and defensive lines just aren't given enough credit uh, for Oakland because they were they were dominant, and that that offense just it, it just keeps rolling along.
0: It's it's really been amazing to watch because you know, the Patriots and we knew they were going to be in the mix to get the cook full, but to Cookville, but to to roll through the playoffs like they have and not really be challenged that much has been incredible. And, and you know, when we get to talking about the 6A game, we'll, we'll discuss that a little bit more, but their opponent will be Brentwood after the Bruins go out to Bartlett and get a 24-14 win on the road. Brentwood's playoff run has been filled with, you know, bumps in the road, some adversity, some emotional some emotional wins, and this was just another one of those because you know, Brettwood's becoming battle-tested too. They I mean, they're not blowing teams out at the moment, but they don't really need to.
1: No, they, they really don't. Um, they just find ways to win. Um, you know, they've got a great leader in Cade Grands out. Uh, they've got uh, skill positions, talent skill, they have the skill positions. Um, I don't. I think that they'll give, uh, and I know we'll get into this a little bit later. But I, I think that they'll give, uh, Oakland a little bit more of a fight than, uh, than Maryville did actually, and probably, and I, I almost guarantee you, I'm more of a fight than what they had earlier in the year.
0: Yeah, they, it's a rematch of a game that was actually on short notice earlier this season. We'll, we'll discuss that a little bit more in depth later yep. on. Uh, 4A Nolansville had their shot they were kind of in it for a little while against Elizabethton but you know the cyclones just blew them away in the second half. that final was 56 21 and Elizabethan ends Stonesville season in the semifinals for the second straight year gotta be gotta be a, a happy I mean a, a happy result even though they didn't win because you know Nolansville had lost some pieces from last year. Some might have thought them weren't as good as last year's team, but they wind up in the same spot. So you know a testament to, to head coach Paul Derrick's staff to how they got this team through to round four in four A. Yeah,
1: it's it's amazing what uh it's amazing what making a deep run in the playoffs will do for the next year. And I think that the experience that those younger kids that uh that played last year and we're able to compound that into this year. I think that those uh, those kids grew, and I think you're absolutely right. They have every right to be proud of their result. Elizabethan is just on another level. I mean, they right now. Yeah, you know, we talked about this last year. We don't know what's in the water out their way, but they should, they could bottle it and make a fortune.
0: Yeah, they absolutely could. You know, they've got a couple of Mr. Football. Finalist, honestly, and then you know, four A is or they had semifinals, and four A is just loaded with with strong teams in East Tennessee. and Elizabethton is the juggernaut. The last couple of seasons, and one's just been in the way, unfortunately. In that eastern half of the bracket, they'll go to five A next year, and, and their start to their program, you know, they're only a couple of years removed from being a, a just a, a in its infancy, basically. They've made the playoffs every year they were eligible, and they've just continued to improve as a program. And and five A is going to be more of a challenge for them, but they should be able to to compete in that in that level as well. In class three A, Pearl Cone went out to Milan, and unfortunately a lot of penalties get did the Firebirds in and they wound up losing that semifinal. And, and gotta be disappointing for Tony Brunetti and those kids to go out in the semifinals like they did, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. It, it, it was one of those situations where it just got away from them. They're sitting there holding a 13, nothing lead, uh, give up a touchdown, then get a punt blocked. And next thing you know, they're tied. And then after that, the penalties the mistakes, the errors, they just couldn't overcome. them. and, you you can't give a team like Milan, you know. If you have them down, you've got to keep them down, and they just could not uh, they could not uh, get past you know just making mistakes.
0: Yeah, it's the difficult way for them to end that season. They were unbeaten coming into that game. They had really just run over every team they played, but it was kind of a theme with them too. And a lot of Metro teams had this problem most of the year. They couldn't stay out of penalty trouble. Yeah. during the year and it bit pearl cones significantly in this one. So when they hit it the next year, they're going to have to really address a lot of those things to to try and compete and and, and hopefully make some make some adjustments.
1: Yeah. Definitely.
0: And class 2A Triolo County had a tough night against Mex County. They they had fallen behind and had to mount a last minute comeback that fell short and the yellow jackets are going to miss out on a trip to the 2A title game again. They haven't been since 2018. It's um, a, a rough night. They had no Jaden Hicks, so it had to be a lot of you know a lot well, of the same stuff with Cameron Rankin's.
1: Well, it was Cameron Rankin's everywhere. He, he threw a pass, he he played quarterback. <laughs> he, he uh he ran the ball. I mean, he he was just everywhere. Um and, but you know that's what we talked about uh, going into that game. We knew without Jade Hicks that it was going to be the Cameron Rankin show, um, and it just it, it they just couldn't get things together enough until late in the game, too late in the game.
0: Yeah, they fell behind sixteen to nothing early in the fourth quarter, and a team that runs a wing T offense like Troutdale County does can't afford to get behind multiple scores. it just becomes too difficult for them to crawl back in the game. But they almost managed to do so. they had gotten within an onside kick recovery of having a chance to win it at the end. They didn't get it. And Meigs County able to run the clock out on them. It, the third straight year that Trousel County and Meigs County have squared off in the semifinals. Trousel County won the 2018 meeting, and Meigs County has won the last two. So, Trousel County's three losses this year have come back and my eight points. Wow. that That's how close they were to being an unbeaten team head of the cookville
1: yeah I mean, it, it was it's just a unbelievable game of circumstance i mean again you know just you get you get behind the eight ball early and then you know it's, you just can't uh, you just can't do that like you said especially with running uh, that offense
0: so that sends three division 1 area teams to cookville and they'll join the three Division II teams that were already there, CPA, Lipscomb Academy, and Davidson Academy. We'll talk about those in the next segment as well. Yep. Got a little bit of business to take care of on the front end with the Citizens Bank Player of the Week for the semifinal round in Division One. Had four finalists. Had pretty much a one-sided vote for the, from the fans. But here were the finalists and how they fared last week. He yeah, had Jordan James from Oakland, 163 yards rushing and two TDs on 27 carries. Destin Wade had 221 rushing yards on 24 carries and threw for 173 yards and a score. He wound up with three total touchdowns in their win. Ivan Dayton from Pearl Cone had 63 rushing yards, caught two passes for 60 yards and a score in their loss. And Nolensville quarterback Ryder Gillardi, 14 of 24 for 183 yards and a touchdown through the air, ran for 65 yards and scored a touchdown on the ground for the Knights in their loss in the 4A semifinals. And it was Gillardi that won the fans, but with 57% of it. So wow. Nolansville backers came out in full force. Wow. But, but as, as, as we say every week, that's only a third of it. That's right. And you and I have to settle it. So... Scott, I'll give it to you. Who do you have? Uh, my vote goes to Destin
1: Wade. I mean, 221 yards uh, on 24 carries, two touchdowns, got another one passing, but really just kind of controlled that game. Got the, you know, moved the sticks when he had to, made the plays when he had to. Uh, to me, uh, Summer doesn't get anywhere near uh, get anywhere near this game uh without him. I think that he is just uh in that offense, just everything to that offense. So um that's where my vote's gonna go okay. is uh Dustin Wade.
0: Okay. I'm gonna side with Jordan James because watching him in person and a lot of that of course is the Oakland offensive line, but Maryville had no answers for him. It didn't matter if he went inside or outside. He was getting positive yardage on every carry and James has been a force in this postseason and probably no more of a force in any game other than this one. Uh-huh. Maryville had no answers. They really didn't, and, and to see him dominate that team like that, that that's pretty special in, in my book, and I'm giving him my vote there. So that, again, gives us a three-way tie. Oh, boy. We know what that means. We know what that means. The fans win. And the fans have voted for Ryder Gallardi from Nolansville as the Citizens Bank Player of the Week. And all we can say is congratulations to Ryder because yeah. he deserved it.
1: Absolutely. All
0: congratulations, right. Ryder Gallardi. So Nolansville will get the last one for, or the next to last Player of the Week award. We'll have one for the Blue Cross Bowl as well. But congrats to Ryder Gallardi, our Citizens Bank Player of the Week. And after the break, we'll talk about the Blue Cross Bowl Championship games starting in Division II as they get going on Thursday. So stick with us. This is the 615 Preps Podcast. We're back after this. Back here in the 615 Preps Podcast, we'll talk Blue Cross Bowl Championship games in this segment starting in Division Two, And the order is a little different than last year. In Division Two, actually, the Double A teams go off first on Thursday, and that means Lipscomb Academy and CPA's rematch leads us off. What a way to kick off Blue crossball we weekend with that rematch, huh? Oh, I tell
1: you, I mean that—that—that that, that seems like it should be like, if not the uh, the Keystone game, at least <laughs> the, one of them. But I guess hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna start off really good, you'll end really good too. So. Um yeah, I, I, this is a heck of a game.
0: Yeah, these two teams had quite the showdown back on October 23rd when Lipscomb won 20-14 to 14 in home over to CPA. And in that game, Alex Broom really just showed everybody who he was and, and why he wound up being a Mr. Football semifinalist. But yeah, really, really CPA, to me, in that game, just made a series of mistakes in the third quarter that kind of cost them the game because they had they had trouble running against Lipscomb, Lipscomb's defense, but in the third quarter they had some uncharacteristic errors that cost them a touchdown, and really kind of let Lipscomb kind of have the lead and and they kind of were able to to hang on to it. But uh, I'm looking forward to this rematch because I think we're going to see. A very determined CPA squad with Kade Law and Langston Patterson really lock in and, and kind of just go after this Lipscomb defense on the ground like they wanted to the first time around.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting since that game. Kind of what's happened with uh, with both teams. Um, you know, Lipscomb Academy really has become a defensive juggernaut. Really. They, they've uh, played uh, three really uh, tough uh, defensive games, and it you know, still managed to put up some points there, here, there. And CPA has really gone on the offensive uh, since that game. Uh, 41, 50, 50, and 58 uh, points. So you know after they only put up 14 on, uh, on Lipscomb, they kind of took it personally. Um but boy, what a difference a, a, a year's made. Uh year two for uh Trent Dilfer's squad. Uh how big, how big is the addition of Alex Bruin been
0: to that team? It has really transformed their offense into what was a what was a good offense to a great offense, and just his addition has been absolutely vital to their transformation. No, I actually saw them. The game before he came onto the roster, they played at JP2 late August. And offensively, they were good. They weren't great. It was the night they turned the ball over seven times at JP2 and lost by seven points. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of that night kind of set things in motion to, to really kind of get them going forward. They got Broom in there. He was eligible the next week to play, and everything changed after that. They've run off ten straight wins. You know, they beat CPA. They won the region title. They've blown everybody out. They've played in the playoffs. It's been absolutely just methodical the way they've gone about their business. And you know CPA is going to have a challenge trying to slow them down, but if anybody can do it, it is them.
1: Yeah, and uh, not only on offense, but he he brings a uh, uh, he brought something new to that team as far as special teams go
0: yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, his, his, his return ability on, on kickoffs and punts has been outstanding. In fact, he, he opened the CPA game on the 23rd of October with a kickoff return for a touchdown. So, you know, CPA is well aware of what he can do in, in the special game as well. So he he's going to be a focal point of their defensive and special teams looks. So. For the Mustangs, they're going to have to kind of mix in a lot, a little bit of Luther Richardson going downfield and trying to stretch things out and open some running lanes for, for Broom because he'll get plenty of attention from that CPA defense.
1: Yeah. And well, and another thing you can't overlook is also the defense, uh, how well that uh, the defense is playing, especially linebackers for Lithgow Academy. They're, they're playing extremely, extremely well. Yeah. And that's going to be interesting to see if they can contain uh, Law and, uh, and Patterson.
0: Yeah, that unit has been incredibly fast to the ball in a lot of situations. And, and just the overall speed with which Lipscomb is playing at right now, there are very few teams around in the state that are matching that. So – this game may be more of a contrast in styles between CPAs wanting to establish the run and pound it with Langston Patterson and let Cave Law run with it as well, and then you have Lipscomb on the other side who can really hit you in, in, in a number of different ways. So, it's it's I think it's going
1: to end up. Uh, it really is going to come down to you know who makes a play, who gets a turnover. Um, you know can lipscomb avoid making mistakes because we know that uh uncharacteristically that cost c p a uh last game, yep, but I think that goes against their you know what they normally do they're they are pretty much a a team that wants to you know just run it run it, and run it a little bit more and and then you know then hit you when you're not looking to Maverick Rodriguez. Um, But I think that this is going to be a tough game.
0: For sure. Um, And and CPA is the experienced team here. This is their third consecutive title game. So let's let's not discount that. They're veterans at this point in the season. They've been here. They know what to expect. Lipscomb's in here for the first time, you know, there may be some nerves early. So I would look for the first four to five minutes of the first quarter to see how this game may play out. If CPA can start it fast and get out in front, I think that holds the key for them in this contest. They don't need to fall behind because if they do, they're going to be susceptible to exactly what Lipscomb Academy wants, and that's just to play fast and pin their ears back. Yeah. So let's let's go ahead and pick this game. I mean – We've okay. we've talked about it. I, it it's going to be a spread out who you got this week with these four with these four games. We'll do it this week, and um, in the next segment, we'll tell you how everybody did last week. But okay, what, um, what do you think? Give me a score.
1: Well, I'm going to say that CPA gets revenge here. I see it being CPA twenty eight.
0: Lipscomb Academy 26. Okay. So you have it you have it getting into the upper 20s. I I kind of think it might not get there. I think this this turns into a defensive battle. I'm going to say Lipscomb Academy does win again. And I think they win it 20 to 17, and I won't be shocked if this thing gets to overtime.
1: No, I wouldn't at all
0: because I think these two teams are pretty darn close to each other in quality and talent and, and ability. And this this could very well be one of the best of the nine championship games this weekend, and we get to start off with it. So not a bad way to do lunch on a Thursday.
1: <laughs> no,
0: definitely not. And if you stick around after that game, you'll see the single-A game in Division Two with Davidson Academy going for a three-peat against USJ in a rematch of last year's title game that Davidson Academy won 31-21. DA's won 23 straight games going into this game. And, you know, USJ wants some revenge, but Davidson Academy has just been pounding people all all year long. And, you know, they're coming in here with, with a couple of weeks of rest and preparation. You know, Jonathan Quinn's bunch is going to be ready to go.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. But you look at the USJ side you see senior quarterback over there. He was there last year as a junior, Andrew Smith. Um, You know, he's an excellent quarterback, an excellent quarterback. uh, And he doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes with the ball. Uh, I think that um, USJ is going to have to – they're going to have to play completely clean ball uh, to to stay with uh, Davidson Academy. Because this Davidson Academy defense is, is on a mission, um, I, I believe that you know, AJ Quinn leads this team on the defensive side, and you you watch him play and 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 you realize just how much this team uh, you know flows you know flows with him. I think that uh, you know they've got great uh, they've got great corners, Kelby Rice, Gigi Orr. Uh, you know, those guys are outstanding. I think that it'll be really tough for USJ to to get a whole lot going through the air unless they get Miles Mayo uh, going. Um, I think this is a I think this is a pretty good matchup, but I, I do believe that uh, Davidson Academy. Um, I, I just right now. You, you you know until you beat the king, right? You know, I'm going to go Davidson Academy, and I'm going to go Davidson Academy. Um, I'm going to Davidson Academy thirty one and USJ twenty four.
0: Okay. Well, I looked back at last year's title game, and Griffin Swinney had a, just a monster game. Had the first carry of the game go sixty four yards for a touchdown. He wound up finding the end zone three more times. had 290 to 285 yards rushing and four touchdowns. One game MVP honors. Had a nearly 12 yards a carry, and he was just dominant. And that, and that line was just dominant offensively, setting the tone. But USJ led this game 21 13 going into the fourth, going into the second half, and and Davidson Academy scored 18 unanswered points in the in the third and fourth quarter to win it. So, you know, USJ's not intimidated by this team at all. I, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, we see something similar to that. But defensively, Davidson Academy has just been monsters. And they held, you held they held USJ at 28 yards rushing last year. So really, the pressure is going to come on on that secondary. Can they can they kind of hold USJ in check again? Yeah. Um, and good point. That's going to be one thing to watch if USJ tries to establish the pass early, then this could get wild, but I think just Davidson Academy's experience, their confidence, their their talent level, you know, they're going to, to Class double to, eight to play with CPA and Lipscomb Academy next year. So to them, this also might be a bit of a statement game to those teams saying, hey, we're ready, we're coming for you, and this is what you're going to have to deal with. And and they're going to want to put an exclamation point on their time in, in, in single A, and I think they do that. This one might get away from USJ in the second half. I'm going to go Davidson Academy 38, USJ 19.
1: Mm, okay.
0: I, I think that uh, Davidson Academy is that good, and, and there's a little bit of a gap between these two teams, more so this year than last. And, and Davidson Academy is going to come back with a 3 P in, in, in my opinion. so. <laughs> Definitely looking forward to Thursday's games. Uh, both of those are the are the early games and the early afternoon games. So if you're able to watch, do so because you're going to see some good football, regardless of regardless of those being in Division Two. And uh, they're limiting the crowds to six thousand this year at Tucker Stadium in Cookville, and they're going to empty them out after every game to ensure that you know social distancing is is. is in place no. and all those protocols are, are taken care of. But uh, still looking to be some good football and some pretty good crowds there. Six thousand six thousand at Tucker Stadium is still a decent crowd.
1: It's still a decent crowd, yeah.
0: So after the break, we're gonna talk with the division one championship games with Summit in Oak Ridge in five A and oh. Oakland at Brettwood in six A. We will preview those after this. This is a six one five preps podcast. Stay with us. Back here in the 615 Preps podcast, we're previewing the Blue Cross Bowl championship games, and we turn our attention to Division I, where a couple of area teams are in those title games. 5A is interesting, with Summit in for the second straight year. They're going to play Oak Ridge in the championship game, and the Spartans enter this game with some unfinished business. They were disappointed a year ago, losing to Knoxville Central, and, and Destin Wade has kind of torn a path of destruction through these playoffs in 5A really just lighting teams up to the tune of more than 1200 total yards in four games. And, you know, Oak Ridge is going to have a a, a tough task because, you know, to win their semifinal, they had to kind of go back to some old school football and I'm not sure old school football is going to stop new school football like Destin Wade.
1: No, um, you know, they have an outstanding defense. Um, their middle linebackers are very aggressive. They can stop the run. Um, you know, they, uh, according to uh, Coach Coleman, that, that he's looked at, he he thinks that they are incredibly aggressive. They can stop the run, uh, match up man to man, and stop the pass. Um, so, I agreed that you're going to see some old school football out of them. Um, and you know, you look at exactly what you what you said about. What they faced last week against South Doyle in, in Oak Ridge. Um, South Doyle is a little bit more one-dimensional team. They like to run the ball, and still, uh, even with that Vaughn defense, uh, even though they shut them out, uh, they only were able to put 14 points up. Um, I think that this bodes well for Summit. You look at what their defense has done uh, – recently 60 yards rushing defense in the playoffs i believe um i think that this game it really is going to be depend on you know how well summit comes out and plays how clean they play um I, I think that uh that summit has got it going on both sides of the ball now with Keaton Wade back um I think that you're going to see uh, – I think you're going to see Destin Wade. They, they made a priority this year to, to make him more of a passing quarterback and develop him as a passer. I think that they, they've done that. I think that this year – that was something that they had a problem with last year when they were when they were playing in the game is uh, they couldn't get time to pass. So, uh, Wade was just consistently under attack. Um I think they're better this year. I think this game could get out of hand. Um, I'm not willing to quite go that far, but I'm going to say, if uh, just off the top of my head, I'm I would say Summit uh, Summit 27 and uh, Oak Ridge 17.
0: Okay, I kind of agree with you. I think this can get could get ugly if. Summit scores a couple of touchdowns early on and gets out to a lead and Oak Ridge has to do some things they don't want to do specifically offensively. Uh, you talk about the aggression on defense. Well, aggression can lead to mistakes. and If Oak Ridge is going to play aggressive defense, that they could possibly overplay some things and leave themselves vulnerable to the things in the passing game, to to weigh keeping it on option plays, and there's there's a lot of things that Summit does well that Oak Ridge has to prepare for, and if they're not careful in the first quarter, they could they could easily lose this game in the first twelve minutes because Summit can get out in 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 the running game and the passing game; they can do it both. And Caleb Jolly is is one I think people need to watch out for because if some if if he gets downfield and can't open for Wade, then it just it turns this game on its head. And, and Oak Ridge doesn't want to get in the track meet. They they need no. they need to keep this game in the twenties at, at if at least in the twenties, if not in the teens. And I don't yes. I don't think they're going to be able to do that. I think Summit will will roll. To a thirty-seven to seven victory over over Oak Ridge, I don't think this is going to be close. And that brings us oh. to what our, was your, what was your score? It's thirty-seven to seven.
1: Thirty-seven to seven. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, we could we could call it close if we wanted to, but I just don't think it's going to be that way.
1: Oh, no, I just wanted to make sure I had that written down.
0: Yeah. Write it down. Put it in pen. I don't care. I've been wrong before.
1: <laughs> me too. <laughs> in fact, I, I think this season I've been. Well, we'll get to that later. But I've been wrong more than you.
0: Yep. <clears throat> well, I think you. Uh, you may have picked up a game or two on me last week. <clears throat> But we'll talk Oakland and Brentwood first before we do that. And this was a rematch of a game that was put together rather fast in October because both teams had their opponents canceled due to COVID-19 cases. They played on October 2nd at Brentwood, and really it was all Oakland, 37 to nothing. Yeah. But you talk to both these coaches, and they say throw that game out because there was so little preparation time. And Kevin Creasy from Oakland. He said it was gonna. It was really like the preparation they would have for preparing for a JV game. That's how little time yeah. they had to prepare. So basically, they wanted this game. They wanted that game earlier for their seniors. And you no, know, Coach Crawford and, and Coach Creasy decided, hey, let's just play and, and get them a game so they can they can have that have that game under their belt, and then they did. And yeah, and now they'll play for real.
1: Yeah, Coach Coach Crawford said that. Uh, well, in the first in the first matchup, uh, you know, uh, Merrill, uh, Walker Merrill was still fighting. Uh, you know, he, he was he was injured. Uh, he's still fighting Hammy uh, this time around, but uh, he he's he'll be uh, much improved. Um, you know, he he, uh, he he talked about uh, uh, trying to game plan for Oakland in that first game. Uh, trying to draw up wing T plays, so his defense, uh, so his defense could run against him. He realized that he really didn't know what he was, uh, what he was doing <clears throat> um, when he was just sketching up those plays. Uh, he, he, in fact, uh, Coach Crawford's opinion of this game is uh, uh, that Oakland is going to hand it to number two, they're going to hand it to number three, and then they're going to throw it to number seven. Um. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But, uh, he's he's seen enough film to know where it's going. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, exactly. But, you know, really going back to what you said, um, there, this is really the, the, the line. And this is, this is Crawford's concern. Coach Crawford's concern is the size of Oakland's line. Uh, they just, how big they are on both sides of the ball, um, he considers Brentwood more of a, a true community team and that he's got uh, – he says he gets a little grief for saying that, but, um, you yeah, know, that his guys just get out there and play. Um, you know, he's got uh, four new stars on the offensive line. Uh, they're having to get together uh, and play. Um, so, in all honesty, you yeah, know, This game, I think, will be a little closer than what it was earlier. Like you said, uh, there was so much uh, uh, unknown in that first game. Um, But boy, you can't underestimate what the uh, what what the impact of those two transfer players were for Oakland this year, and uh, Jordan James and Isaiah Horton. Um, They have really yeah, uh, because you know, Horton plays defense, too, and he usually lines up on the best receivers. Mm-hmm. So he'll take away your best receivers. So it's really going to be interesting to see uh, what Brentwood can do differently. But, you know, Granzo, he has pulled rabbits out of his hat too many times. Um, but all of that being said, I just think that too much Jordan James is is where it's going to be and I think that Oakland wins this. I I do think it's a a little bit of a, I think Brentwood stays close maybe to halftime but then I think that Oakland will pull away. Um I see Oakland uh 34 Brentwood 20.
0: Yeah. I could see that happening for sure. Um, you know, it'll be a bit of Jordan James in the first half. They'll they'll get in some. Uh, of course, no Victor Stevenson. So it'll be um, a little bit. They'll maybe try to get Isaiah Horton a little bit more involved than they did last week in the passing game. And if if Walker Merrill is anywhere close to a hundred percent, even if he's not, he'll be out there. Because I mean. When he's out there, it's a lot different Brentwood offense. True. But that that's the matchup that I'm I'm interested to see is Horton on Merrill and how those yeah. two get after it in the passing game. And if Merrill's healthy, that could be a really really fun matchup to just to watch during the during the day. Or during the night, actually. It's a night game. I don't know what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> but um Oakland just has too much, I think, for me in, in this game, and, and and not even not even just relying on the first game. I, I'm not even going to count that game. Just seeing both these teams in person, you know, Oakland just has so much defensive speed, and they have such a physical defensive line that even if Brentwood wants to run that quarterback power of Granzel, you know. They may get some, but they're not going to get all of it. Right. And Brentwood's going to have to – they're going to have to throw it in this game. They're going to have to throw it quite a bit. So if they can move the ball through the air, they'll have a chance. But can their defense stop Jordan James? That's a big, big question, Mark. It's a big, big if. Oh, yeah. And the way that offensive line for the Patriots is played in this playoffs, that's a tall task. Uh, I think it's Oakland forty-two, Brentwood twenty-four. That's kind of how I see it going. I, I think Oakland Oakland gets out to a lead early. Brentwood kind of tries to, to stay in it, but for me, the Patriots are just too much. It, it's been it's been the kind of year that they ideally want, and it's going to end the way I think they ideally want with a championship because they've been a championship-caliber team all year long, and I think they'll show everybody why in Cookville on on Saturday, and, and we'll cap it off with a, with an unbeaten season. So we didn't get to the records from last week, actually. You went 5-1 and one last week, so you picked up a game on me. Oh, cool. So. Sitting, uh, sitting at 103 and 43, you're at 101 and 45. The public is at 99 and 47 after a 3 and 3 week.
1: Oh. And,
0: and Drake's at 91 and 55 after a 3 and 3 week. So it's a little tighter at the top, but there's not a lot of room left to to close the gap.
1: No. <clears throat> left, left the door a little too far open.
0: yep, yep. Too much coal in there coming in. <laughs> but uh, I'm looking forward to this week. I'll be up there uh, in code Full at Tennessee Tech, my alma mater. So it'll be. it's always nice to get up there every now and then and see how things are, are coming along and uh, get some donuts at Ralph's and get some pizza rolls at the T-Mart across the street. If you've never had those, do it.
1: But get the marinara.
0: Yes, yeah. Yeah, make sure you get the mar- if they don't give you the marinara sauce then something's wrong because they're supposed to do that they're supposed to give you the marinara sauce anyway I don't know what happened with you last year with them not giving you the marinara sauce <laughs> so but now you know I don't know the, more, the sauce the, you know. the sauce makes it and and those things are huge too I mean yeah there's a lot of air in there with under the cheese and the pepperoni but man they're good <laughs> they they're almost worth the trip with themselves. But uh, get go, go to Ralph's and get some donuts and just enjoy the football because this is it for, you know, eight months. Yeah. You know, and we have run through this season not knowing whether we're going to get here or not, and now it's here, and it's like – you almost get the withdrawal after, after these Friday nights. Now, what do you do?
1: Exactly. Uh, we'll figure something out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll have some stuff to talk about next week, obviously with, with, the, obviously. with the blue cross bowl recap, and then we'll have some things going online as the off season progresses. So stay tuned for that at six, one, five And and stay with us on social media. Uh, on, at 615preps on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook as well. We'll have some content going up daily from Cookville and after each game if possible. They're only giving us 30 minutes to get our work done after the game, so we kind of have to move to somewhere else and finish up. But uh, Wow. Yeah. It, it, the, the protocols are different this year, and there's no no food in the media tent, which I'm, uh, it's unfortunate, but I get it. And I think we're just happy to have the – chance to get through this season and finish it off in style. So Certainly. With that, we're out of time. For Scott Burton, I'm Chris Brooks. Thanks for joining us for the 615 Preps Podcast. We will see you next week to talk about some championships. At least two area teams are coming back with gold balls. We'll see if more do next time out. This is the 615 Preps Podcast. So long, everybody. Enjoy.
1: The 615 Preps Podcast is a production of B Squared Media, LLC. Our theme music is A Closet Full of Bones by Mama Tried and is used with their permission. You can download their music on the 615preps.com website or on SoundCloud. Your hosts for the 615 Preps Podcast are Chris Brooks and Scott Burton. You can follow Chris on Twitter at cbrookstn and Scott at sburton615.